Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Robinson and this is the Believe in OK State podcast. By now, I'm sure you've seen the rumors swirling and the news that more players have entered the transfer portal. We record our episodes on Tuesdays and release them on Thursdays. This news broke on a Wednesday. Therefore, these rumors and transfer portal announcements will not be addressed in this episode. However, we will be releasing another episode tomorrow, Friday, January 6th, where we discuss everything that's going on right now in the program. For now, here is our originally recorded episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Pokes! Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined again, of course, by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. First full week of the offseason in the books. It was an incredible weekend of college football. If you did not watch, you absolutely missed out. Guys, how did you enjoy the games without having to worry about the Cowboys score? <laughs> yeah, seriously, I think it was probably some of the best football that we saw all season. Um, it was just action-packed from start to finish all yeah. weekend long. It was awesome. And then it seemed like they were paying attention to the podcast, like the coordinators. We talked about UGA's tight ends. We knew that it was going to be a high-scoring game. We predicted that TCU was going to win, well, except for Justin. Justin, you know, whatever. But it seemed like they were listening to the podcast, and it's especially nice whenever you don't have to go through the roller coaster of emotions of uh, rooting for your alma mater. Actually, you know what? One of the best games was USC versus Tulane. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) So good. That green wave. What Caleb Williams threw for 460 yards and five touchdowns, and he still lost the game. Like, what? Yeah, it was a good I game. I want to say we didn't pick that game, but I'm pretty sure you guys all had USC. Am oh, I right? Like, nobody yeah. picked Tulane. So, yeah. no, I had to dry. Don't leave me hanging out to dry for the Michigan pick. Although, I should know and like, don't go again. No, don't go with the Big Ten. Like, it's all weak sauce over there anyway. But yeah, props to Tulane coming out. That's, yeah, for the record, uh, I had Tulane winning on a, in a high-scoring game. So, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, where's the, where's the proof of that? I mean, honestly, I think that Tulane, it's one of those matchups where they're, they were 16, and you're like, you know what? I think that they're a good program. They've had the best turnaround in the history of college football, but can they mm-hmm. hang with USC? Especially, USC looked pretty good in the Pac-12 championship, minus Caleb Williams's leg injury. And... You know, the, the end of that game with the safety to go yeah. within six and then the touchdown that was called not a touchdown and then reviewed and an actual touchdown was just that game was phenomenal. I call yeah. it the uh, Cotton Bowl instant classic. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> they, doubt. They, Look, go ahead, Justin. They validated that win from earlier. I thought it was a complete fluke that Tulane beat Kansas State. I think everyone did. And they, they kind of came back and they proved proved themselves again. 
So Yo, major props major, to major props to Willie Fritz, their head coach. I mean, I think he was he once accepted the job to Georgia Tech, decided he didn't want to do that, stayed over there, got an extension. And I'm just like, that guy right there knows how to get an offense and a program going. So yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah, it was just, it was awesome. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the national championship matchup later in the show, but watching the the Fiesta Bowl, which was such an amazing game, I was convinced that the Peach Bowl was going to be a letdown. I was convinced it was going to be a blowout. Right. I, I didn't, I, you know, I wanted it to be a blowout from Georgia because that's who I picked, but like, it could go either way, you know, that would be a very Ohio State thing to do to go and win that game and be like, we lost to Michigan in the game, the first game, and now we're playing for the national championship. And that would just be very Ohio State. And I was not about that. Uh, but then when it was like, it was such a game and Stetson Bennett and then seeing them march down the field and score with 54 seconds left, I was like, that is too much time for CJ Stroud when all they need is a field goal. But that, those were hands down the best college football playoffs since inception almost 10 years ago. And you have to love the Oklahoma State tie-in, right? Defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, offensive coordinator uh, Todd Munkin, you know, former Oklahoma State uh, coordinators. I called it the Coordinator Bowl, and it was so funny. Somebody in my Twitter literally said back in September 3rd that, hey, I'm just dreading the day that we're going to see the Ohio State versus UGA matchup, and we're going to think about what could have been. And that's exactly what happened, right? They retweeted it and everything. But, man, what I would give to have those guys back in our program right now. Hey, and don't don't leave out Meacham. Coach Meach is over there at, at TCU. I know he's not a coordinator. Yeah, uh, in, inside a receivers coach. Yeah. the receivers out there. So a lot Big of OKC Meech. ties in that playoff. Yeah, right, man. If you could only we, have one back, would you want Munkin or Knowles? Come on, man. What are we talking Munkin. about? Munkin. What are we talking about? Munkin, hands down. down. I have to ask the question. I don't know. People surprise you every day. So I felt like it was a fair question to ask. I never got to know Coach Knowles personally, but Todd Munkin isn't only a great offensive mind, but he's seriously somebody who really cares for his his players, like cares about his athletes. And I gotten to know some of the players that uh, played on his uh, Southern Mississippi teams, and they said the same things, like, yo, they just felt like that guy cared about us. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah, and not to say that that wasn't the case. I heard a lot of things like that for Knowles as well. Um, You know, a a lot of players are very emotional on the defense about, yeah, I'm leaving for Ohio State, but that connection that we had, personal connection to Todd Munkin, it's hard not to say oh, we miss that. We want that back. So yeah, I think we had a little bit more offensive struggles this year than defensive struggles too. So you would like him back, but Knowles is a Philly guy, and I would just like to get his thoughts on where to get the best cheesesteak because. As a Philly native, I have my thoughts. And no, the answer is not Pat's or Gino's. So get out of here with that nonsense, those who think that. So I would just like to talk about Wawa and, um, you know, the Schuylkill River with Jim Knowles sometime. (laughs) Jim Knowles, get on the podcast if you're listening. (laughs) He's got free time now that their season's over. That was mean, but also factual. (laughs) Shots, shots fire. <laughs> we had a chance of getting him on the podcast, and now it's gone. I I blew it. Guys, as I mentioned, it is the first full week of the season. When you were players, what was the first thing you looked forward to after the season ended? Like, how did you spend your first week when you had your life back? And for me, it was just getting my legs back. Like, 
my knees, my legs hurt all the time. And it just seemed like any kind of break was just, man, let me just kick my legs up for a minute. And uh, yeah, just had that little extra free time to kind of play NCAA was the game back in the day. So I play a lot of that, watch some movies and things like that and kind of enjoy the free time in that way. But yeah, that recovery for the legs, that was, that was clutch. Yeah. Between the ages 18 to 22 years old, your, your knees feel like they're, you know, 80 years old by the time you're done with the season. Um, But it's good to just kick it up. Uh, You don't get a lot of family time during the season. So after the bowl game, um, you know, every year that we were there, we went, we made it to a bowl game. So you get to hang out with family for a little bit, but then once the semester start, it's really time to get locked in again and body by glass begins. Mm. There's really best. No, I mean, there's off season, but you still have to train. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably get a solid, you know, seven, seven to 10 days to just not do anything. And then you right back at it. Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like that much time off, especially whenever you're in the midst of it. It was probably a little bit more, maybe looking back, but you know, I think I actually really enjoyed the training aspect of it in the off season, because that was the time that you got to lift heavier and kind of push your limits and, I really enjoyed that stuff. I like to develop the speed and agility and all the drills that seem to kind of maximize your potential. And it was all about just trying to like really maximize who I could be as a person and as a football player. And it seemed like all of that work in the off season was what made it, you know, just really fun. You could look back year after year and just kind of see that next season. It's like, dang, I'm like a super version of myself from like my former self. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And you know, just being in the weight room, it is intense. Um, and sometimes, you know, some of those workouts are really brutal, but, uh, that's one of the ways that I looked at, oh man, this is, this is a way for me to prove that I belong here. And so I really did give it all my all in those workouts. And I, uh, some of those tough grueling, you know, workouts that we push ourselves through, um, makes it all worth it. It makes it, uh, just, you know, glad that you were a part of that kind of fraternity of guys. I'll tell you what, there's a very unique. So every time you go back and coach glass goes through what the winter program is going to look like, I would always say to myself, all right, time to get as big as Hulk and as fast as Sonic. All right. Cause that's really how I felt. Like you get, you get bigger, but sometimes you control that weight and you still get faster. And um, I remember there was one day in particular, I was walking to class with uh, Charlie Moore, number 17. Okay. And we're walking to class and one of us dropped our pencil to the ground. And we both just kind of stood there, looked at each other, looked down at the pencil. It's over. And we just said, yeah, we're not bending over to pick that up. Like, that's how sore we were from these workouts. And we just kept it pushing the class slow as a turquoise. Uh it, Turquoise? A turtle. <laughs> tortoise. Tortoise. Turquoise, tortoise. But yeah, I mean, you look forward to it, but whenever you're actually going through it, boy, you hurting. You are hurting. And one of the worst parts, people don't really think about it, but on campus, you do a lot of walking, and then it seems like every building has stairs. Like yeah. every, And then all your classes are on the third and fourth floor. Like, what? what is this? This is brutal. <laughs> yeah, makes and- no sense. I went to school in Boston, so our campus went up, not out, because we're in the Mm. middle of a city. So my classes were on like the fifth and sixth floor and the elevators could fit four people. So I'd have no choice. You know, if you're late, there'd be days where I'm like, I'm waiting. I have 15 minutes. Other days, if I don't take the elevator, if I wait for the elevator, I'll be late. So I'm going up 
five or six flights of stairs to class on a weekly basis. And that was just brutal, especially when you had lacrosse practice before or after. I'm like, I just did two hours of conditioning and now I have to do the stairs. This is dumb. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Consider that uh, some recovery, recovery from your workout. Well, off season means recruiting. Last week, we said we would discuss recruiting pitches for and how we can improve the recruiting process at Oklahoma State. So the three of us brainstormed some ideas and we were each tasked with coming up with five. I have no idea what these two have come up with. We have not we have not talked amongst ourselves. So this will be a surprise to all of us. And some of these are, you know, completely outlandish and some of them could actually be put into practice if the right people hear this. So guys, what what would be your like first option? It can be serious or not. What would be the number one thing you think could help recruiting? All right. So my first one, I believe the spring game is full of untapped potential. All right. It needs to be promoted as a game. So you do the walk, you have tailgates, invite cowboy legends to be in attendance and interact with the fans. Charge ten dollars. All right. That's what a fraction of the cost for a normal ticket. I get it, it's free right now, but right now it's just a scrimmage, right? So we need to make this a game, charge ten dollars, fill the stadium, loyal and true, right? Get all the fans in there. So fifty thousand fans times ten dollars, half a million dollars right there. So you got four thousand dollars per player to kick off the year. Come on now. That's my first one. That's amazing. I actually love that. I like it. No, that, that, I love that, that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Now, what I would love is if the city of Stillwater got together, like the mayor of Stillwater would just say, hey, we're a college town. We know that the university is here. How about we get all of the businesses, all the restaurants, all the car dealerships, whatever it is, to just come up with some type of incentive, right? Like different incentives is a part of an NIL type of grouping, right? Like there has to be something that the city itself can do. And I think it would be the first of its kind where the city just really uh, not just devotes resources towards the program, but specifically towards the players. Um, I don't know exactly what that would look like. I think there are a lot of creative ways that you can go about that, but it would be so cool to see participation from the city of Stillwater itself joining forces with OSU. Piggybacking off of Eve, one of my ideas is there is this tiny little airport five minutes from campus. It is so close and figuring out some sort of partnership to get families, uh, out of state families here for games. Come up with, yo, we have a PJ, we have American airlines. Burns Hargis was instrumental in getting this partnership with American airlines. So there has, there is some sort of relationship with the university and the airline why can we not find some sort of way? Or, hey, we're going to charter a plane up from Dallas every week. So if you're in Texas and you're two hours south of Dallas, but you can drive up there and get on a flight, you know, that's that's a lot faster than having to drive six to eight hours. I mean, the airport's yeah. right there. There's three flights in a day. 
it's so small, so convenient. And I think that you could reach a lot further recruits if it's, hey, my parents could get here. If we can come up with some sort of partnership, you might get that kid from California or that kid from Florida or that kid mm-hmm. from you Louisiana. Know, Louisiana, if they can get a family here. So use that airport and fly in families. And you just created yeah. some jobs too, Meg. Economy. Economy. <laughs> You know what? That really would have came in handy this past week after the bowl game. I was talking to a guy who's from Dallas, and he was saying how it was such a nightmare to get from uh, Arizona back home to Dallas. It took him an entire day of traveling just Mm -hmm. to get home. And, yeah, he said he started at 8 in the morning. He didn't get home until 7 p.m. Yeah, just horrible experience. But, hey, if you have that, you know, that partnership with the airport, you might be able to make something happen. Literally the story of my life every time I fly back to Philadelphia is it takes at least 10 to 12 hours. Yeah, to get home because you there's no direct flights there's nothing so not that people don't well people don't want to come see me but that's neither here nor there but even <laughs> if my parents want to come see me it takes them forever to get out here and they have flown into the Stillwater airport and it's been so convenient because it's right there so city mm-hmm. of Stillwater mayor of Stillwater let's let's yeah. chat get that know? yeah you got to get that advantage uh, well so like TCU, for example, DFW Airport, right there. And, uh, and love, if you. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. You yeah. got all kinds of options. So we got to, you got to step up with what you can in that regard. I, I 100% agree with that. Mayor Will Joyce, if you're listening, that'll get you reelected for the rest of your life. Come on. Sure. I'm coming for you, Mayor Will <laughs> Joyce. Mayor Meg, coming in hot. I'm getting the business involved, getting Yo, the airport so involved. See we got Meg. We got Meg for CFP. Now we got Meg for mayor. I, I'm with it. I'm just going nice. to run it all. Well, Meg for mayor, I think you'd be able to install my second plan. Yes. Ready for it. Which is the name. Maybe it's not great, but we can brainstorm on that later. Pistol Pete's pension. Hmm. All right. So if you stay at OSU for your college career, you receive X amount of dollars in different tiers based on academic and athletic performance but if you enter the transfer portal you lose it all retention baby my plan along the same lines was just like cheese fries at eskimo joe's unlimited but if you stay your entire career not transferring you don't have to graduate but if you like declare from oklahoma state then you get them for life Susan love Eskimo Joe's cheese fries. So Pete's pension and cheese fries. Yeah. Hey, if you can take that Pete's pension money, put that in a in a fund, allow it to grow over the course of four, five, six years, who'd be sitting nice and pretty by the time you actually graduate? Like so, a 401k. So a patience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. So my second idea would be to double down on digital media efforts. I think back to whenever... Clemson. Clemson was like the first, because we all know Clemson came out of nowhere. It's like, you know, historically, there weren't this blue blood program. And next thing you know, they're winning all these championships. So I noticed that Clemson was one of the first programs to start making music videos in the locker rooms, like really just highlight and really just going all in on their social media presence and digital media presence. I'm like, hey, we don't have a huge staff whenever it comes to digital media at all, right? If we would double down, increase the size, like, hey, times two the amount of resources that we actually put towards the digital media. What that would do for us is every single time one of these huge recruits comes and takes a visit 
to the uh, to the program. Hey, follow them around. Make a day in the life type of story out of it. Because you know what happens? They end up showing that to their followers who have, you know, nowadays 50,000 six-figure followers. And what that does is it gives more exposure to the program, especially in different parts of the country where we usually don't have a lot of success recruiting. So um, I would love for us to just really, really hone in on what we're doing from a social media and digital media standpoint. And uh, yeah, man, to just, you know, expand those resources. Eve, you said Clemson, and my next idea is somewhat Clemson-inspired. And I think it's pretty simple and straightforward. Improve the facilities. Add to the facilities. They're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I will admit I have not been in the locker room. I have not seen the full scape of the football facilities. But I did do some YouTube tours online earlier today, so I did see them. But Clemson... Their facilities, they have so much. They have a bowling alley. They have a golf simulator. They have a freaking nap room with like four bunk beds with curtains that close so players can go in in between practices or classes if they don't want to go home and take a nap. And I've tried those beds. They are very comfortable. And that room is very peaceful with a fish tank and large recliner chairs. They have a freaking slide that goes from the top floor to the second floor. So if you're at a team meeting, you can just go down the slide and go right into the weight room. And those little things matter. They have a barber shop. You know, they have so many things they have. They have a mini golf course outside. They have a sand volleyball court. They have a uh, like barbecue pit so they can have team parties and stuff there with all the players, families and friends. They have a basketball court. Those are little things that you can add on. And if I'm walking through a facility and touring a facility and I see all these added things, to me, that could be the tipping scale of, hey, I really like Oklahoma State or I really like Clemson. If I'm doing a whole pros and cons list. I would give Chet Clemson the check for the the facility, the football facility, as opposed, you know, I wouldn't. They would win that battle, and that could be the fourth point that wins it all for them. I just think if they could add a little bit more and make the facility just top notch, and I think facilities, you know, you, it started with Oregon, and then all these schools, it just start. It, it's it gets to be insane, but it's also what sells a, a, a player. And, yeah, and, and I think like Oregon, for example, like. To Eve's point with the social media and growing that, I think one of the big things for recruits and players coming in was being able to get a picture in that big chair and like have all the organ cleats around and different things like that. And like, that's very attractive for people to like be able to post that on their social media and be like, dude, follow me because we're about to start something here at Oregon, you know? Yeah. And, and I think even to that same point, there's proof of concept. Because whenever OSU first, you know, came up, you know, $300 million renovation back in 2008, 2009, we had the best facilities in the country at that time. And you saw what happened to our recruiting classes. And in the following years, you saw, you know, winning seasons, winning seasons. I think for like three years in a row, we graduated the winningest class in OSU history because that's what happened. And then what happens around the country? Everybody else catches up. Everybody catches up. I think Michigan State was next. The best facilities that I've ever seen are Florida State, right? So it happens all the time. But now it's time to go back and say, all right, we can do that again because proof of concept already exists. I do yeah, think something, yeah, I was going to say something that will just stand out because, Meg, I'm going to piggyback off yours a little bit because I did have that as one of my recruiting points, <laughs> uh, which was to incorporate like a gaming room connected to the locker room yes. and just like completely – deck it out with tvs playstations xboxes i guarantee you once that ncaa video game returns that place would be lit like that would be so much fun just like hanging out in that room with like all the guys on the football team having all kinds of competitions 
probably gambling away your NIL money or whatever, but hey, oh my God, have a good time. <laughs> I I want to say it's um okay, they renamed the players lounge at LSU for Tyron Matthew. I think he might have made some of a donation to that. Yes, he did. He yeah, donated a million dollars to the program and they renamed the uh the players lounge but that i mean they have that in there they i i mean i was in there a couple of years ago and i forget everything they had but i want to say they had like arcade games and like the papa shot and things like mm-hmm. that and i don't know i don't know if oklahoma state has anything similar but that's a no. place where guys want to come hang out because there's sometimes you're in that limbo where i finish class at this time you don't have practice for a few more hours i don't want to go home because by the time i get home i'm gonna have to turn around and go back to campus i just want to hang out like that's why i think the nap room at clemson i mean guys were in and out of that room when i was there and this was yeah. before the the college football playoff several years ago you know, it's December, finals are done, they have nowhere else to go, but they were just in and out. And then they got mad because we were filming in there and they didn't get mad. But, you know, a guy walks in with his blanket ready to take a nap and I'm sitting there about to interview whichever player is about to walk in. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm in your space. But, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, sorry, darn it. I mean, I was at another facility and I think, I think it also might've been Clemson. We took over the nap room and we went into another meeting room to film a different interview. And there was a poor kid sleeping in the corner in one of the chairs of the meeting room. And we turned the lights on and he's like, what is happening? So nap rooms, people nap. rooms. Yeah. Well, you know what, Megan, that that's actually a perfect segue to what my next point is. I think this is the most important one that I have written down. Like what would drive a person like Tyron Matthew to donate a million dollars to LSU? Why is it that Shaquille O'Neal is coming back and donating all this money to LSU? Right. There's a connection to the program. And honestly, it seems like there's not that much of that happening right now. And there's a way that you can leverage that while they are there. Right. You talk about player development. Right. How is it that you are bridging the gap between the person who's there for four years and where he or she is going to be 40 years from now? Right. Creating different opportunities, Um, making sure that you're keeping in touch with these people, but actually cultivating genuine relationships while they are on campus to where whenever they graduate, they're still keeping in touch with whoever it is that's that designated person. I know that there are some more investments to this that are that are happening. I know they're having alumni games. They're giving certain tickets away to, to former OSU football players. Rashetti Jones is doing a tremendous job over there right now, director of player development. But the connection to the program, being able to, t- to tell the story of your experience at Oklahoma State, and then leveraging that, that relationship, leveraging that story in order to bridge the the gap later on because as of right now as an alum i can say it can be done significantly better and um i think chad chad weiberg recognized that and he's making a concerted effort to actually fix that and elevate that but the only reason that you're able to get these huge donations and these renovations happening especially with former football players is because there has to be that type of you know you, you got to pull in my heart my heartstrings a little bit you know i, I i'm missing that connection to the program Hundred percent, and I think that's what the reason that Clemson, for example, is having a lot of success. I mean, not a part of the program by any means, but just from the outside looking in, it looks like they really value the relationships and the development and the retention of the athletes, and they really care about them. Yeah. And money matters to an extent, yes, for NIL and all that stuff. But more than that, relationships matter. 
and being able to, like you said, cultivate those relationships while they're on campus. It's like I've mentioned in another previous podcast, the recruiting doesn't stop once they're on your team. Like you have to continue recruiting them when they're on your team. And part of that is cultivating that relationship. Like you just said, Eve, and not to say that that's the reason why we're seeing so many guys in the transfer portal right now, but it could very well be. And I'd have to go back and look to see what it looks like with teams like Clemson, for example. But I know that I, I would guess that they probably don't have 13 scholarship guys or whatever the number is now uh, in the transfer portal trying to get out. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, relationships go a long way. I I told you guys earlier in text that there were issues with my my college lacrosse coach and we kind of all banded together as a team and said we're not going to play for this guy and at the athletic department took action and they changed coaches and I'm, I'm not saying they should do that at Oklahoma State that's not that's not what I'm saying at all but I had a very good relationship with my coaches I would go down talk to them I had a very good relationship with the AD and different people in the athletic department and for me I yeah. had a lot of issues with my college and I will not support my college and rep them in any way, shape or form. That being said, if I ever were in the position to give a large donation, I would 100% donate it to the athletic department specifically yeah. and because that department I have a very big attachment to. And that was like the best part of my school. So if it weren't for my college mm -hmm. lacrosse team, I probably would have transferred. So it's kind of the mm -hmm. opposite of you know, the well, yeah, it's kind of like what, what we were just talking about with like the donations. Um, these are former professional athletes that are bringing in a lot of the donation money that you see that makes the needle move. Yeah. It's not guys like me. That's, you know, working a normal nine to five job. I wish I could donate hundreds of millions of dollars to Oklahoma state athletics, but that's not my position. I'm not in that position to be able to do that. Uh, guys that are former like Des Bryant, other like former big Chuba Hubbard, Justice Hill, these guys, you have to keep that relationship with them so that you, in hopes that you have something like a Tyron Matthews situation where they're donating millions of dollars to your program. And that's how you continue to stay ahead. And I just mentioned, you know, <laughs> Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, uh, they're not in the best standing relationship with Oklahoma State right now. Yeah. So um, there's a lot to improve on in that regard for sure. I'm going to defer my final two um, ideas because they're not very good. And I feel like we've come up with some, some good ones here. No. Do you guys have any other ideas that you would like to add to the recruiting improvement tactics? Yeah. I mean, if there's one last thing that I would say, the number one reason why recruits even want to come to a university is because NFL development. You know, it's because of NFL development. They want to know that, hey, can I get to the next level from coming to this program? And if there's a way that we can continue to highlight, you know, the guys who are in the league and what they are doing, you know, certain programs do an incredible job at this. Whenever I worked at the Miami Dolphins, I would see all the different care packages that universities would send to their, you know, to their NFL players. And there would be really cool stuff. You know, I know OSU has actually sent some care packages as well, but not to the extent as like a Michigan state, not to the extent as an Oregon. Right. So you invest in that. It makes them want to come back. And what does that do? They're then building relationships with the players who are there right then. And what you're doing is you're bridging that gap, creating more and more social investments. And now whenever they see a guy who was in the position that they were in, they're able to say, oh, wow, I can see myself being in the NFL too. 
no other ones for me. I, I just think that one, you have to have fun on and off the field. And I think a lot of the fun can be had when you're winning. So win winning, win <laughs> ball games, winning solves all, but yeah. on the subject of winning and winners, there have been rumors circulating. I have no idea how much truth there is to them at all. So please do not say that I said this is fact because it's not. But there have been rumors that Spencer Sanders has not made a decision and he may be coming back to Oklahoma State next year. And and on the subject of the transfer portal, John Paul Richardson announced earlier this week that he will be throwing his name in the transfer portal. How do you guys feel about these two players and their sort of stance with Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to, to Spencer Sanders, I, I'm not sure what's going on over there, why he hasn't made a decision yet. I feel like whenever you answer the transfer portal, you ex you probably at least should have an idea, right, of where it is that you're going to land. Um, but it kind of seems like, you know, fans in general are kind of, you know, after he made the decision to enter, they almost like, you know, put themselves in a position of moving on. You know, okay, on to the next thing. And as far as JPR goes, um, man, I think it just goes back to that connection to the program. Like, hey, do I feel like I'm making a difference while I'm here? Can I feel like I'm able to cultivate the relationships and actually help build the culture? Because if you really do, do feel like that, as a guy who is that important to, you know, what we do schematically, you're not entering the transfer portal. Yeah, I think um, in this era of NIL where teams can basically just buy players and top-rated recruits, OSU is never going to be that unless we have another Boone Pickens that comes out of nowhere. So the way that we're seeing, I think, TCU navigate around that is that they have a very senior-laden team this year. Um, so they caught lightning in a bottle. They got a little bit lucky, and they rode that, and they had the experience of their seniors. Oklahoma State can essentially do the same thing. And it, if Spencer Sanders decides that he wants to come back as the super, super senior, and if we're able to keep guys super like John duper. Paul Richardson, then like we're in that position ourselves. And and we saw it a, a couple of years ago, um, you know, one play, one one inch away from being big 12 champions. Um, I missed field goal away from being undefeated with that. And a first down with Iowa state. So um, we're right there and it looks like we're not <laughs> because of all the injuries this year, but get guys healthy. You're going to have to have a little bit of luck on the injury front, I think, but the senior guys that come back, I mean, these are guys that are pretty much NFL guys and then they're, you know, they're in love with football and they're, they're playing it out and it's not about money to them so much as it is about winning and, you know, creating the, the memories with your brothers out there. So, uh, I think yeah. we're really close to that. Um, I would love to see Spencer Sanders come back. Uh, if he has that in mind, uh, I think he could really, um, carry the team. And if he, if we do have a healthy offensive line that he's working behind, then the sky's the limit. Yeah, when you see this news about the transfer portal, I can't help but think about Coach Gundy saying that he doesn't have conversations with the players about whether they're going to stay or they're going to go. Because I think a lot of these things can be avoided just with those relationships, those conversations. So it does seem like there is a huge disconnect right now between the locker room and the coaching staff. 
we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. We'll hopefully have some answers on where JPR might land and if Spencer will be a cowboy for one one last ride. So stay tuned. But before we go, the college football playoff is on or college football championship, sorry, is on Monday. The season officially wraps up. No one saw this coming. TCU and Georgia. TCU, the ultimate Cinderella story. How can you not love them? Georgia looking to be the first team to go back-to-back in national championships since the 2011-2012 Alabama, and they'd be the first in the college football playoff era. So That's actually a really surprising stat, like considering all of the dominance that the perceived dominance of Alabama for the past 14 years or whatever the case is, the fact that they haven't won a back-to-back since 2011-2012, pretty crazy. Now, hey, I do want to add, if you go back and listen to some podcasts, I did say that TCU was the best team in the country. So you can't say nobody (laughs) saw it coming. I said it multiple times, okay? Now, I mean, I said it kind of condescendingly, of course, but yeah, it still came out of my mouth. (laughs) You said it, and that's that's what matters. But we don't have too much time left to really pick apart that matchup. So we'll just we'll just do game picks. Picks with picks. He went with the dogs. He finally picked the dogs. I am not surprised. Going with the favorites, Georgia Bulldogs. I, however, am gonna go TCU. Right wow. with Hypnotoad. I'm doing <laughs> it. I'm doing it. I think that Georgia showed some weaknesses versus Ohio State. I think TCU has what it takes to capitalize on those. I think the matchup that I'm really excited to watch is uh, Quentin Johnson versus the the Georgia secondary. This Keely Georgia, Ringo, baby. Yeah, he he kind of got picked on a little bit. Keely did. Um, you know, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. each had over 100 receiving yards for Ohio yeah. State. So... I think that that's going to be the matchup to watch. I'm going frogs. Yeah, I'm definitely going UGA. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, honestly, I don't even think it's going to be close. I think, you know, it's going to be like, look, if TCU comes out firing early, then we might have a chance at a sh- if it's a shootout. But I just I don't see it. I mean, gosh, those those Georgia guys are just so dominant. Um, I mean, look, when, you, when it comes to recruiting class, right, typically it's the players, the horses that, you know, have – um, you know, the most star potential that actually end up winning these games. And whenever you look at where Georgia has ranked the past couple of years, it is hard to imagine them winning by less than like 20 points. Okay. Um, yeah. I think Georgia wins like 45 to 20. Justin. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I agree with Eve. I'm going with Georgia. Um, Monk and over Meacham. Sorry, guy. Um, but Monk, <laughs> I will say, Meg, you made a good point. As far as the matchups go, I don't think Quentin Johnson is necessarily Marvin Harrison Jr. No. But there, there's a good chance that, um, you know, they show up and maybe surprise Georgia a little bit. But ultimately, I think that Georgia comes out. They just have the experience of, of being in that game. I think they get it done again. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens Monday night. I can't wait. That is all for this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. Guys, next week we break down uniforms with the one and only Justin yes. Williams. Southwell's going to be in his element. Justin, Eve, I'm Meg. Thank you all for listening. Like, share, subscribe, and go pokes. Go pokes. Go pokes.